Hi, this is Mark Raven. Welcome to Lean Blog Audio. This is a post from May 2nd titled Practicing Lean as an Audiobook, first half now available. I assume uh, for those of you who are listening to Lean Blog Audio instead of reading this on the blog that you like listening to things. And if you haven't checked out uh, our book Practicing Lean because you like listening to things, um, you'll you'll be excited to hear. I'm excited to announce that Practicing Lean is now available as an audiobook, or at least the first half of it is available. And uh, I'll talk about that here in this post. So in the audiobook version, I am the one reading chapters one and two as the author of those chapters. And I'll share uh, a sample of that here in the podcast. It's also on the blog with links to the book and other information at leanblog.org slash audio 203. So chapter one, uh, I'm sharing a short clip. Uh, the whole thing runs about 19 minutes in total. Um, the audiobook is unabridged. Chapter five is read by its author, Paul Akers, who uh, you probably know of from his book, Two Second Lean. Uh, Jamie Flinchbaugh has said that he's going to read his chapter uh, in, in his voice. But the other chapters, um, you know, I've, I've got a better appreciation that recording, um, trying to record for audiobook is, is time consuming. Not all the authors have that time or that interest. So other chapters have been or being professionally read by a volunteer, Samantha Lee. And uh, I thank her for initiating um, the audiobook effort. I mean, it was her idea to begin with. She reached out and um, said that um, she was willing to do this. And, and this book, audiobook, certainly wouldn't be happening without her. Um, Samantha is the daughter of Mike Lee, who wrote chapter 15 in the book here. Um, Samantha is currently working on her undergraduate degree in neuroscience and psychology. She enjoys recording professional voiceover work and hopes to continue uh, this interest in the future. So um, in addition to my chapter, one of my chapters, Paul Aker's chapter, uh, at the end of this, I'm gonna add a clip of Samantha reading part of Michael Lombard's chapter. So I hope you enjoy the audio book. I hope it helps you. Uh, I hope the, the book itself, uh, if you've read it in uh, paperback or ebook form, um, that, it, that it's helpful. So, you know, with the audiobook here, as with many leanpub.com publications, leanpub.com is the platform I use for the Practicing Lean book. It was originally published and made available for sale through that leanpub platform, starting when the book consisted of just a few chapters. Chapters were added and early buyers received updates. Um, as, as the book was completed. Um, now that the book is complete and it's also available through Amazon as a paperback or in a Kindle format, the audiobook is initially being released as in progress. That's the term LeanPub uses. Um, the audiobook today contains just half of the book. Um, since Samantha is a busy student, she's doing this as a, a volunteer. Um, new chapters will be made available over time um, to, to people who buy the book now. Uh, a rep from LeanPub told me that he thinks this is the first time that somebody has made uh, a partial in-progress audiobook available through their platform. So it, I think it's kind of interesting to be part of that. So how can you buy the audiobook? Right now, the only option is to buy the audiobook um, through leanpub.com. 
Um, there is an option for buying the book that says uh, the book plus MP3 audio. So you have to click on that option. As is the typical leanpub.com style, you can choose your price within certain ranges or you can click to enter a specific price. Um, and remember, all proceeds from the book and from the audiobook are being donated to the Louise H. Batts Patient Safety Foundation. You can learn more about them at louisebatts.org. As of May 1st, $1,700 has been raised and donated through the sale of ebooks and paperback copies um, and the initial audiobook sales when I did um, a soft launch. So you'll be able to download the MP3 files, you'll get an email with those links. Uh, if you bought the ebook early through LeanPub, um, I sent out a, a reader update that included a discount code that you could use on the audiobook if you wanted to add that. Um, if you're not happy with it, leanpub.com has a really customer-friendly return policy. And again, if you buy the audiobook now, you'll get updates when new files are available for download at no additional charge. And I'm also considering making this available through audible.com or selling the files directly through my website. Or if you donate $20 or more directly to the BATS Foundation, contact me and send a copy of the donation receipt and I'll give you a digital coupon that allows you to download this for free. This is my first time creating an audiobook. It's an experiment. Uh, I am learning a lot in the process. Um, I've, I've had a few buyers already, and the leanpub.com platform makes it easy for me to tweak or improve the audiobook in many ways. So uh, the first clip that I'm going to share here uh, is myself reading part of chapter one from the book Practicing Lean. Identifying problems is only the first step in improvement. It's sometimes easy to find fault in what others are doing with lean. Sometimes we criticize because we don't recognize what they describe as lean in their organization. Maybe it's natural for an experienced lean thinker to identify problems as we're prone to want to fix things and coach people even if we have to speak hard truths. For example, we might see process improvement leaders or trainers who focus only on lean tools or just a particular lean tool, such as 5S. Or we might get frustrated when we see people just chartering a few projects or pushing predetermined solutions on others while not even working on changing their management system and culture. If you dig deeper, you might find that their limited or ineffective approach to lean is due to ignorance, a lack of experience, or a lack of proper coaching. Can you blame people for what they don't know? You can't blame somebody if they were taught the wrong things, but you should challenge somebody who doesn't make the effort to educate themselves after declaring that lean seems simple or just a matter of common sense. It could be that you have good people who are trying, but are working under leaders and executives who don't support the idea of changing the culture, or they're not aware of the need or the possibility. Or the leaders and executives are the ones who don't understand lean and sometimes don't even try. We too often hear about executives who use lean as a cost-cutting tool. They lay off employees, which destroys morale and hurts customer service, doing so while collecting big bonuses. It's likely these senior leaders don't share the same lean values that we appreciate, and they quite possibly never will. The idea of a transformative lean journey might be a pipe dream if the senior leaders see executives as a bunch of warm bodies who are just a cost on the P&L statement instead of viewing them as human beings to partner with and develop. 
Or we read in major business publications like the Wall Street Journal, no less, about a company's lean office that has a self-proclaimed 5S cop who does audits to make sure employees don't hang sweaters on the back of chairs and don't have any personal items on their desks. We read about another organization that bans inactive bananas from employees' desks, as if that does anything to improve the company's performance. Employees in these companies are understandably annoyed by clumsy attempts at 5S. Unfortunately, they come to hate the idea of lean instead of seeing lean as something that provides job security and allows them to feel pride and joy in their work. When lean is just about putting tape outlines around staplers on individual desks, then lean rightfully becomes a punchline. That makes things harder for the rest of us. Now, here is a part of uh, Paul Akers' chapter, uh, as read by Paul Akers. Hey, I'm Paul Akers, and this is the Lean Restart. I've been doing Lean for 17 years, and every day is a massive revelation as to how much better I could do everything. You'd think at some point I would have figured it all out, right? Not a chance. I always tell people that becoming a lean thinker is like stepping into a perpetual Edison's laboratory. I just keep experimenting, doing the scientific method over and over again. You plan, you do, you check with extreme emphasis on the you part. You have to get your hands dirty. You have to run the endless experiments and discover what works and what fails. Skip the theory bullshit. It will lead you down a rat hole that will rob you of all the real joy and satisfaction that lean bestows. That's really all lean is, experimenting with every facet of life. I'm constantly analyzing, learning. What is this? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen if I do that? I'm basically a problem magnet and a problem solver. Mark Graben asked me to write a chapter in a collaborative book he was writing with other lean leaders asking the same question. The question? What would I do differently if I did lean all over again with all the knowledge and experience that I have today? And here is uh, an excerpt from chapter four written by Michael Lombard and read by Samantha Lee. 2006 to 2010. Discovering Lean, Practicing Lame The first time I ever heard about Lean was in early 2006 while I was working as an executive trainee in a manufactured housing factory. The general manager of the plant handed me a copy of Jeffrey Liker's book, The Toyota Way, informed me that he had enrolled me in a three-day Lean training course, and told me to come back in a month ready to teach Lean to the entire leadership team. We figured we'd be able to roll out Lean within a few months or so. Yes, please feel free to chuckle now. As adorably naive as we were with this endeavor, reading Dr. Liker's book was actually a life-changing experience for me. Even as a recent graduate of a decent business school, I had never once even heard of Toyota's incredible success story, much less anything about the Toyota production system. But the principles and philosophy espoused in this book resonated with me deeply, way down in my bones. With my mind sufficiently blown, I went to the three-day training and learned all about the tools of Lean. Newly armed with all these Toyota Way principles in a lean toolbox, I was excited to get back and teach it to all the folks back home. Everybody's going to love this stuff. This was when my first great lean lesson was learned. The fact that something is self-evidently awesome doesn't mean that anybody will care. When I returned to my factory, I put together a pretty darn good training course, successfully delivered it to every leader in the organization, received great feedback, and even facilitated a few successful 5S events right after the training. 
Like many lean newbies, we thought training with a simulation was a great way to get people fired up and whatnot, and we thought 5S was the obvious right way to get started because it's fairly easy, inexpensive, and visually impactful. Unfortunately, training in 5S are meaningless without purpose. In our haste to get started, we failed to take the time to understand the overall direction in which we were headed with lean, or to communicate the link between practicing lean and achieving our top business challenges. Perhaps we just thought that if people were exposed to such a powerful and obviously awesome concept such as lean, our leaders would naturally jump in with both feet. That didn't happen. Instead, most members of the leadership team only participated in lean activities when participation was mandatory. Some actively and even loudly resisted it. I can neither confirm nor deny that there might have been a shouting match or two about Japanese versus American pickup trucks. Only one or two leaders really saw the potential of lean. But even those few early adopters were just using lean as a point solution for specific issues on the shop floor. Even though we achieved several pockets of success with 5S and other shop floor countermeasures, we always struggled to translate those localized wins into results that made a difference at the strategic level. This made it really hard to build the case for lean to be the way we ran the business. What was the purpose of lean? But here's the kicker. When the corporate head of manufacturing visited our factory one day, he liked what we had done with 5S so much that he promoted me, at the age of 27 and with exactly one year of lean experience under my belt, to be the corporate head of lean deployment. Are you chuckling again? As one might imagine, I was a bit overwhelmed. Not really knowing what to do, I stuck to what little I did know I could execute successfully. That's right, good old lean training and 5S. We hired a professional trainer this time and delivered an awesome four-week educational program to all of our lean managers company-wide. Then, we established a requirement that all 14 of our factories had to implement 5S in every department by the end of the year. Uh-oh. So thanks again to Samantha, again, not just for reading uh, many of the chapters and continuing to do so, but uh, for initiating this whole project. I think it's going to raise a lot more money for the Louise H. Batts Patient Safety Foundation. Hopefully um, the book uh, reaches more people in this format. So uh, if you want to see the blog post for this episode about the audiobook, you can go to leanblog.org audio203. Otherwise, you can also go to www.practicinglean.com to buy the audiobook or the paperback or the ebooks. I also want to make sure I thank everybody who contributed uh, a chapter to uh, what was very much a collaborative effort, um, something I really enjoyed, something I've learned from and been inspired by. Uh, and again, uh, wouldn't be possible without the contributions of the other 15 authors. So I hope you'll check it out. I hope you'll enjoy it. Um, let me know what you think.